Hey there, creatures. It's James coming at you from the very distant future. We recorded this back in late 2020, and this episode requires a little bit of an explanation. So what you should know going into it is that we sometimes, very sporadically, that being said, release uh, shorter snippets of episodes directly to our Patreons under the name A Random Encounter with Freeman and James. This is one of those episodes, well, this is actually our first episode, and we did a full-length uh, feature on like the background and the lore of the Illithids. Since its release, we have come to realize that we can't put that kind of content behind a paywall, so here it is for all you to enjoy. And if you like it, uh, you can subscribe to Patreon, where sometimes you'll get uh, little snippets of our rants that we cut out of episodes. They're, you know, five to ten minutes long. Uh, and there should be more of those coming in the near future. So we hope you enjoy this episode, The Lore Behind Dungeons & Dragons Illithids. Are you looking for something circumstantial, controversial, or downright tangential? Tune in to a random encounter with F&J for all your needless needs. Hey there, creatures. Welcome to the first ever Patreon-exclusive episode titled The Wilds of Space. This episode is a companion piece to episode 25, Elithids, that is also a Patreon-adjacent episode because it was requested by our donor at the $10 and up tier at General Ham Solo on all platforms. So Freeman did all of the research for this one. I'm going in completely cold, and today we are going to be talking about the background and the history of the Illithid race. Uh, s sort of. Uh, I'm going to actually slightly uh, edit what you just said. Yeah. And uh, we, we, this episode is not because of the uh, because the uh, the Patreon requested it. Uh, it's because of what their request was uh, that this episode I'm being produced. I said companion uh, piece. I know it's it's a bit of, it's a semantic it's a semantic thing, but uh, it, it is uh, this episode in particular is not necessarily about elephants, but it is closely connected. Um, yeah, I so, can't seem yeah. to get that out of my mind. So that's totally fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. Uh, like you said, you're going in cold, so you know uh, I get that. I get that. Uh, everything's to you on your end has been very uh, about very much about elephants, um, but let me take you through it. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is the wilds of space. And uh, we're going to start with a section in my notes called Not a Crystal Ball. I, I love both those titles. <laughs> there, are, there are two particular things that need to be noted first and foremost. Uh, one in particular is that most of this content is related to the Spelljammer setting, which was only released for second edition, uh, otherwise known as Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, and that setting was discontinued before Wizards of the Coast purchased the rights for D&D. Oh, okay. So since they purchased it, they've delved very little into Spelljammer. They have, they have referenced it a number of times across 3rd, uh, 4th, and 5th editions, uh, but they have never reproduced a full setting. And so as such, I would say the re uh, it's the reason why a lot of this content has a lot of non-specific answers or very vague references so bear that in mind as we go forward right um the other thing very particular and much more tangible to this conversation is that we need to establish what the prime material plane is okay uh do you know do you have any any idea uh it's earth 616 <laughs> it's 
is uh, that's a Marvel thing, isn't that it? That is a Marvel thing. Good on you. <laughs> yes. Oh fuck, I uh, got that one. In DC, right. it is uh, Earth Prime is the first is, is the real Earth in DC. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Uh, no, it's not that. Um, but uh, uh, what it is is uh, uh, what it originally was thought to be in the and uh, uh, actually I should tag on here. This is as far as I could tell primarily in the Forgotten Realms setting is how all this sort of situation is. Despite the fact that Spelljammer was a setting of its own, I believe it is technically and canonically in the Forgotten Realms setting. I, I um, believe you're correct on that. Yeah. and I, At least I, I, I saw allusions to that, but never saw nothing that opposed it. I think they uh, started to connect it in 4th edition because Forgotten Realms was right. the setting of 4th edition. Right, yeah. And then, uh, uh, of course, like the the original setting was, was Greyhawk, I think that that Gary Gygax did. Yeah, it was Greyhawk. Uh, but then from there, Forgotten Realms wasn't long after it, Forgotten Realms became like the main uh, core. Well, well, sort of. Um, I think in, I think it was in third edition where it really got solidified, or even three point five, because A D and D had like Birthright and and all of those other. Um, A D and D was pretty setting rich, is what I'm trying to get at. Right. Okay. Sure. Um, regardless, originally, the prime material plane was thought to believe one of an infinite number of material planes. And among those infinite number of material planes, there was a Baron, O-Earth, Kryn, uh, and even alongside those, the material plane that contained Earth. And yes, I mean our actual Earth. Cool. Yeah. And... Lore-wise, it was eventually established that this was not true. In effect, there was only one material plane, which therefore is, is considered as the prime material plane. Why? How uh, can it be the prime material plane if there's only one? Uh, I think it was just a transference of, of term, essentially. Um, there, I didn't find really much on that, uh, why it was called the prime material plane as opposed to... But with the exception of one thing where I did find uh, that... Uh, our Earth and the material plane that it exists on is sort of categorized as an alternate one. So it's it's a bit at odds. But I didn't really find anything uh, elaborating on that okay. concept. That is incredibly at odds. Right. So it was w- went once believed to be infinite number, uh, and then it was believed to be one, uh, and with the exception of our our own personal irl plane being an alternative right and um the reason there was a confusion uh not this isn't uh this doesn't explain the uh, prop uh, improper verbiage if you will uh but um it does explain why there was a mistakes made uh and why there were why there were people were confused is that instead of having multiple or infinite number of material planes instead on one material plane there are what are called crystal spheres do you know anything about crystal spheres james the no i i i'm <laughs> racking my brain for a crystal skull joke but i i that, yeah. that movie's a big enough <laughs> joke all on its own <laughs> you're not wrong um well uh, prepare prepare to be like I, I don't know you'll either be flabbergasted or annoyed or a bit both uh in my experience with what you like uh in regards to lore <laughs> and, and universe i feel like um, if, if you're on the fence i'm gonna be angry about it <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, po- it's possible. Although I've been wrong before. I, I said you were going to be angry about, I think it was the Kyrene, or the, the Kirin, Chilin, Kirin. Uh, about their, yeah, and, uh, and you were like, no, I like these guys. That's <laughs> so, fair. Um, That's fair. But, uh, so Crystal Spheres, uh, basically, like, so the ones I listed earlier, the Abaran, uh, Earth, Kryn, um, those are not material planes, but rather uh, related to Crystal Spheres. Now, these spheres are separated by an entity known as the phlogiston and they can only be accessed through spell jammers which are magical ships that travel between the spheres now that's very vague and it's purposely vague because i want you to tell me what you want to hear about first do you want to hear about crystal spheres do you want to hear about the phlogiston or do you want to hear about spell jammers um i mean i i don't the negative space between dimensions does nothing for me, which is what I imagine the phlogistons is. Uh, yeah. Let, so let's dig into crystal spheres. You you have my attention okay. there. <laughs> okay. Because I don't know why they just so, wouldn't call them parallel Earths. Okay, right. Because it's because they are not the same. So a crystal sphere, uh, also known as a crystal shell, are, are literal gigantic spheres that contain entire solar systems. Oh, okay. So the original belief, uh, as far as I can tell, was that a material plane, those infinite number of material planes, were actually mistaken uh, identities of solar systems. And so these crystal spheres contain them. And every one varied in size, but the size of the sphere itself was always twice as large as the diameter of the widest or largest orbit in the solar system. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, uh, even uh, even solar systems orbit. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and these these crystal spheres it, we'll we'll come to talk about. They they do actually they're not static. They do move around. Um, so these spheres themselves they generate no gravity on their outside of them. Okay. So that sort of is the opposite of what you just said, but they do move around, and the outside of these spheres are made of a dark ceramic material that's impervious to damage, whether it's mundane or magical means. Completely indestructible. Why it's specified as ceramic, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's just to give a tangible element to it. I'm not sure. Um, it's uh, probably because of the, the material properties of ceramic. It, it can be really dark and really lustrous without um, and you can hide seams in it. Oh, sure. Okay. That Actually, that makes sense then. Uh, good uh, good uh, Annotation? Annotation? Is that the right word? Uh, good good input. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that in. Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> you're a credit to your uh, profession? Um, <laughs> I am a credit to my profession. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Actually, you are. Regardless of what profession we're talking about, you are a credit to, to any of them. Well, um, <laughs> I mean the cooking one. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, in order to access these spheres, uh, you had to go through a, a portal. And these portals would create opens on the sphere walls and allow you to travel to and from, of course. Uh, and they specifically prevented the phlogiston from entering a sphere. Yeah, okay. And specially magically powered ships, known as spell jammers, could travel between the spheres using these portals. However, the portals opened to close randomly... Uh, and the best way to go about finding a way into one was to use uh, magic or a, uh, some spells to locate their current position. 
Okay. Seems seems pretty above board so far. Sure. Yeah. Uh, th- there were some uh, some spells were known to be able to create new portals or collapse existing ones if you wanted, and anything passing through a portal that closed was ceremoniously sliced in two. Uh, everything sort of stands up, right? Ceremoniously, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and every known shell uh, was always spherical, every single known one. While technically unknown why, several hypotheses are presented by uh, famous names like Elminster uh, and uh, specifically during a correspondence with Kelvin Blackstaff Aronson, oh. who we'll talk b- about both a bit later. Um, and uh, they believed that perhaps the sphere shape was due to the naturalness of sphere in a fluid, such as phlogiston, akin to bubbles. And there was also the practical ease of construction of a sphere. <laughs> uh, that one I don't have a hard, I have a hard time getting my head around because I have no idea, no idea how to easily form a sphere, uh, a perfect sphere. That's insane. Uh, um, magic, <laughs> magic. I guess. And they, they, these guys were were very uh, magical. So yeah, uh, archmages, uh, powerful wizards. And then uh, of course there was a ba- uh, considering the balance of gravity produced within a sphere. Right. Um. Now, inside a sphere is what is known as wild space. This is sort of oh. where the episodic title comes from. Okay, I like that. Uh, yeah, and the sphere separated wild space from the system contained therein and the phlogiston outside. And again, the portals would not allow the phlogiston to come through. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Elminster did speculate there were different possible shapes for crystal shells, although it's not elaborated why he thought these existed, but he thought a cubical one could exist an ellipsoidal one, triangular ones, irregular ones, and uh, toroidal, which I thought was interesting, which is basically like a ring, like a ring that goes in your finger, perfectly rounded throughout. Oh, okay. Mm. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah. I mean... Think like Halo. I don't know if you ever played the Halo game. But I like literally just <laughs> beat the first one six minutes Did ago. Did you? Literally. No just way. Like six <laughs> I bought an Xbox 360 last month, and I've been playing oh, playing yeah. Halo one, and I just just put two in before we sat down to record. The amount the amount of hours my childhood invested into Halo one is outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely adore that game. Same. Yeah. Well, it's here if you ever want to play co op. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that most of that seems pretty. Uh, they're, they're not new theories. Um, right. I I don't know about you, but I'm immediately when I think this whole crystal sphere theory, I'm immediately going to um, like Norse theory. Like uh, like these portals are just essentially the um, the Einstein Rosencrantz bridge from the Thor movies. The the Bifrost, if you will. Right. That, okay. That shoots. Sure. Yeah. Norse gods between dimensions, or you know, mm-hmm. between um. Well, th- I I would that's a, I I didn't think of that at all. Uh, if, uh, but I feel like that's probably a pretty good indication of of influence in this, especially when we get into, uh, the phlogiston and how these sort of things work with spelljammers, like all encompassing. I think that's going to be pretty applicable. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of this is going to be convoluted because of the backtracking more than anything, like. Like people, at least in the past, they would tend to come up with these really fucking cool ideas, and then other people down the road would go back and explain them. Like that thing about the bubbles. Like I like it; it's really, really good. But that's that's you know um, a need to explain something because it needs to be explained. Not that mm-hmm. uh, that's I, I really I really like how 
they're explaining it in character, but yeah, it it just it right. it, it never needs to be said in D and D lore, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's. I think that's what that caught me on this whole uh, tangent and doing this episode. It was like how much of this I didn't expect to actually be there. I had no idea that they went as far as like explaining how the solar systems work. And uh, I thought it was p- just pretty cool. And uh, Spelljammer, I've heard of Spelljammer as a setting for a while uh, and knew a little bit about it, uh, but I didn't know that much. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't dive into it nearly as much as I would want wanted to, but um, it, 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 w- it might make for a, another, yet another like cool episode. Uh, yeah. I really, really dig in. Because there's a lot, there's actually quite a few books just from AD&D yeah. that involves the Spelljammer sanity. Um, I, I think that, like, I've always wanted to play a game and, you know, a module or one shot in Spelljammer. Um, I, I don't want to dig deep like I do on, like, you know, Faerun, um, Forgotten Realms, uh, you know, um, Galarian. Right. But I, I think I think this is right up your alley. It's it's so weird. It really is. And you want know that? The more I looked into it, the more I realized that there maybe the best reason why Wizards has not dove into it yet is because it's probably the least accessible setting as far as mechanics go. It would probably in- involve so much extra stuff, and Five E's sort of built around its simplicity, right? Yeah. And so you can you can throw in Greyhawk, and you can throw in Ravnica, and you can throw in Eberron, and you can add all this cool stuff, but you don't have to flip the system around. And uh, you just have to add a couple things on top. Yeah. And Spelljammer ha- is just like you're gonna. It's gonna be so much new shit. It it would be like us relearning Starfinder again, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a it's a huge undertaking. And you have to redo how like magic works. Like it's right. The, the Vancian yeah. magic system to me doesn't make sense in a setting like Spelljammer. Um, for sure. But you know, yeah. obviously, that's a topic for another day. And there, I mean, and, and we'll actually we'll cover that a bit too. Oh, really? There are, there are some uh, to a degree. I'm not going to mention Vancian magic, but there is there are some limits, say, to magic. Yeah. Uh, in regards to what we're going to talk about, so Fancy and magic uh, we'll, is we'll, just we'll finish off on on the conversation on on crystal spheres here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, talking about like especially more notable and known ones that actually have some lore to them, uh, some more than others, but uh, very specifically, uh, Toril, our very familiar planet, right, with uh, the continent of Faerun and such on it, exists in realm space. And that's the name of the crystal sphere. Okay. So within the crystal sphere, it's called wild space, but the crystal spheres themselves have their own name, and this one's called realm space. Uh, so it contains Aber and Toril. And if you reference to my original listing of what they thought were material planes, Aber, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, uh, Ab- Aberin was listed. And Aber is another planet within that system. And originally, Aber and Toril were one planet, but separated. And so there is a sort of like historical confusion or familiarity or connection constantly associated, especially in a like more uh, more toral historical sense. Sometimes it's literally Aber hyphen Toril that's referenced as the planet, yeah, uh, simply because uh, they were once one entity and they got somehow they were split along the way. Uh, but that's like you know that that's uh, realm space is our uh, more prominent one. That's where we play. That's where Forgotten Realms takes place. That's where Faerun is. That's where the Moon Salune is. That's where Elminster, uh, which, by the way, we've been saying uh, apparently wrong. The emphasis is on the second syllable, Elminster, not Elminster. 
Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Kelvin Blackstuff Aronson, who is a um, uh, famous hidden lord uh, of Waterdeep right. and Archmage. Uh, so they they are prominently uh, featured in Toril and in within the realm space crystal sphere. Okay. On top of that, we have Gray Space, which I originally was like, oh, is that where Greyhawk takes place? I don't, I, I couldn't find any evidence of that, so pro- apparently not. What I did find evidence of, which is really cool, uh, it's where the planet O Earth is. I feel like that just should be called Earth. It's but it's O E R T H. I think this is. Where I think Greyhawk is is a continent on O Earth because Big B and uh, you you keep going. Sure. Well, like so, O Earth is uh, famous for a number of wizards that feature in in Forgotten Realms as far as spells go. Big B, Tenspur, uh, Dramage, Melf, Otaluke, and Morden Kanan are all uh, from O Earth, and all of their spells are known on Toril. Yeah. So they're the that some that collection particularly as well as a couple others are known as the um the council of seven okay and there are the newest spells that's why they have their names in them um so th- right, this is yeah. this has got to be greyhawk like there's no i think tensor was like gary gygax's brother or something like that was he okay yeah well i mean there, there's a, a a blurred line uh to some degree with elminster and uh another writer for uh for uh, wizards of the coast or like tsr but we'll get to that as well okay um uh, another crystal sphere is known as Kryn Space. That's K-R-Y-N-N. Um, I didn't find too much. I mean, I could have dove more, but uh, there wasn't anything like you know that stood out that's common knowledge that I know of. Yeah. Anyway, but there is a rumored gate to the planet of Kryn within uh, the system that is supposed to exist on a Narok oh, yeah. in the magical desert in, in northern Faerun. Uh, so you guys have uh, been to that which desert. Is have we? <laughs> you, uh, so you guys were on your way when you ended that campaign, or when you when you moved to Australia? Oh no shit! Yeah. yeah. Oh, so okay. Way back then, you wrote yeah. your paladin out right before they went to the um, the southern no lip of the Anorak. Yeah, crazy. And like I read that, and I thought, wow, that that uh, you know that's pretty extraordinary because um, th- the more we read on about uh, how the space and crystal spheres and the space between them work, uh, the more extraordinary something like that is. Uh, like a, a gate that just like goes from one crystal sphere to another is is pretty astounding. Um, and now, and then the last one, one of the last uh, sort of notable and known crystal spheres is called Cluster Space. Uh, it's a very remote sphere. Uh, the system inside is known as the Astro Mundi system, and uh, the sphere is regarded by some sages and scholars as the uh, Mind Flayer's place of origin. Okay, so we are going to talk uh, about mind flayers at least a little bit. Uh, sort of, yeah. I, we're, I, we're not really though. Right. <laughs> That's going to be the closest. I, I haven't specifically in my notes there. It says we'll discuss more of that in the Elithis episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, but like that, you know, there is a very close connection uh, of the most notable crystal spheres. Uh, there was one of them that that uh, belie- uh, people believe there are some, again, some sages and scholars that believe the Mind Flayers came from there specifically. Okay. And that's one of, of a few theories, to be honest. Um, but something to definitely check out in, in the actual Lithids episode. Yes, do that. Now, otherwise, the phlogiston Why would you be here flows. if you're not going to listen to the Lithids episode? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> do this one first, yeah? Um, but uh, the... The phlogiston uh, outside of these spheres, it flows 
to make uh, it flows between these spheres and, and elsewhere as, as well. Um, but it does make for easier travel between them. Uh, and in um, uh, specifically the cluster space sphere is known uh, to have the easiest travel to. Uh, but it is also known to have an impossible... It's impossible to exit the sphere oh. without using uh, a living spell jammer, uh, such as those made by the elves. That's a weird caveat. Right. And I think it's something we'll touch on... Uh, it's actually uh, reasonably short. It's something we'll touch on in, in Elifids as to why. Okay. And uh, it, it is, I, th- I think, is uh, it's a sort of fan theory, if you will, uh, a c- connected to the Illithid's origin. Uh, so put that in your back pocket and don't let me forget about it because I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to exit that sphere. You can get in, no problem. You can get to it, no problem. You can get in it, no problem. But leaving is a problem uh, unless you have a living spell jammer. I am trying to write spell jammer and all I can write is star jammer. <laughs> <laughs> because that is the wiki for uh, Starfinder shit. <laughs> no, because, well, yes, but... Yes. <laughs> to, to circle back to Marvel... Um, okay. Scott Cyclops... Uh, Scott Summers' father... Um, Ga- no, not Gabriel. Uh, I actually can't remember his father's name. He goes by the, the codename Corsair. He runs a band of space pirates known as the uh, the Starjammers. Oh, no shit. Um, okay. <laughs> that was one of my favorite limited series growing up. It was really good. Oh, my God. Ex- extended lore and all of these geeky things uh, <laughs> is always somewhere between so super lame and so super awesome. It's like often the, the best combination of all of them. <laughs> the yeah. bigger you get, the more you love it. Well, they play a big part in the cartoon <laughs> series in the uh, Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. They're like the antithesis to the Shi'ar. Man, I don't I mean it's been so long. I don't remember that. I remember loving that show, but I don't remember any of the details. <laughs> it's worth a rewatch. It's really good still. I, I have no doubt. I've no I bet you the nineties Spider Man cartoon is too. It's yes, it's still really good. It's not it's not like X Men or Batman good, but it's still really good. Sure. Okay. The intro's way well, too long. <laughs> No way, man. <laughs> uh, so okay, uh, so tell me about this phlogiston. Phlogiston, yeah, it's uh, it's strangely spelled. P h l o g i s t o n, specifically pronounced phlogiston. Um, and the term itself can be applied to one of two things, technically, uh, either the space between the crystal spheres or specifically the tangible flammable fluid. That permeates throughout that space. I have. Uh, it doesn't. Two questions. Okay. <laughs> the first is: Is it just full of this liquid? Uh, or are there like no. gaps where it doesn't exist? No, was no other question mark. Okay. What I will tell you is there are flows of it. Uh, I don't. I didn't find anything that specified that. Um, if it flows, then it's that, not. Uh, it's it not doesn't filled. permeate the whole. Yeah. Uh, it specifically does uh, the the wiki. The Forgotten Realms wiki uses the words uh, specifically. It's non homogenous, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. right. so I I don't think it's it fills it. Okay, um, but it is it does permeate throughout. It, it is all over the place, um, and it is a very chaotic material. It is rainbow colored and it surrounds the spheres. Uh, so that much is true, and 
Um, there are very bizarre creatures that are supposed to inhabit it. And uh, spell jammers that travel between these spheres will often fall victim uh, to the attacks of these, these creatures. Although I found nothing without diving into, like, I guess the actual um, manuals and, and books related to it. I didn't, I didn't find any evidence of, like, what those creatures might be. Oh, um, if, if I remember correctly, it's just everything with the aberration tag. Uh, it could be. Could very well be. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, uh, but I, I honestly, it's a, honestly in anyone's guess as far as I'm concerned. I didn't find anything. I think that's uh, specifically specific. what an aberration is. I'm ready to yeah. be corrected, but I think that's specifically what an aberration is. It's stuff that lives between dimensional bar- barriers. Like the... Um, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't 100%. I, I, I'm reasonably... I, I want to say that's not entirely true. Um, although it's not a bad guess and bet uh but again that's something we'll briefly sort of like tiptoe across in the illithid episode actually oh cool uh when it comes to the actual origins of of illithids and and whatnot um it's you know it's it's sort of like on the fence um uh yeah especially when it comes to their relation to other aberrations so uh that's the only reason i'm cautious about uh, wanting to confirm that or agree that's fair um Uh, yeah i get that so this phlogiston, um, it uh, has a inconsistent, non-homogeneous consistency and density, uh, and it pro- but it does produce river-like flows, and these of course do not always connect to objects or locations in the spheres. They could just kind of randomly uh, lead anywhere. Uh, but spell jammers uh, would use these flows to speed their travel, and it is actually the very reason spell jammers have sails at all. So these are like spaceships, but they have sails, and they would use these sails to like utilize the phlogiston to move faster to a location. So the phlogiston flows through the sails. Yeah, it sort of pr- propels them forward, like a, like a liquid wind, if you will. Right. So like if you yeah. if you picture a regular boat on the ocean, it's upside down. Yes and no. The 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 actual uh, spell jammer will have a, an enclosed magical like atmosphere yeah I so just they just get straight into the middle of that that river right oh and okay that flow okay. and the sails project out you know, beyond that atmosphere and are you know pushed along that being said a certain amount of the uh phlogiston will still seep into to the magical atmosphere they have okay and there's a certain danger in that but we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit as well i'm gonna picture count dooku's spaceship from episode two then <laughs> yes <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, these uh, these flows could uh, travel in two directions between spheres, uh, but sometimes it was only one. So th- it was a very unpredictable situation. Um, the spheres could change position within the flow, and the flows you know would stay the same sort of thing. So that they would you know the, the spheres shift around quite a bit. The flows could shift around, and uh, this means that stable flows and routes between spheres were rare but there were some uh, sort of cataloged uh, stable configurations as they put it uh, between them and in particular uh, I, I, I I'm not very good with the uh, forgotten realms or lower like actual timeline and like dating oh fuck uh, is anybody right but most of this I could tell you right now happens like it, there it was constantly uh, it, within the wiki everything was like somewhere usually around 15 dr. Uh, sometimes 14 dr but it's within like that century uh or two and um so in particular one of the one of the more catalogs uh stable configurations was a triangle that existed between realm space 
and gray space and crin space. Specifically, realm space to gray space was two-way, but otherwise it was one-way. So gray space to crin and crin to realm were one-way, and you could not uh, do anything else for for quite a while, essentially. Okay, that makes... I've actually got a picture. uh, I'll throw this on Instagram uh, for people wanting to take a look, and I'll show it to you right now real quick. Um, this is, it's literally on the wiki and it's, it's called an, it's an incomplete diagram. It gives you a very general idea of like what could be connected and where they're spaced out. Um, it does not give you any directional value, but you can get a, a brief idea of how you could travel, uh, between those. So again, realm space, gray, gray space, crin space, um, uh, we're all connected. Realm and gray were two way, gray to crin, crin to realm. Uh, we're one way. Okay. Oh, that is not a good diagram. <laughs> yeah, like I said, very, very incomplete and non, non-specific. I mean, it's like the size of it's so small. Okay, that is <laughs> yeah. very non-specific. I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure why it exists that in that way. Maybe it's to emphasize the uh, non-specificity or unreliability of said stable configurations but i don't know <laughs> it seems a bit weird yeah i don't know um, man. but even if you go on the forgotten realms book even it, it like has a whole excerpt below the picture it's like this is incomplete and it lacks these things and la 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 and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. uh i feel like some some like hardcore awesome nerd totally just like wrote a blurb on that could be like okay this is some bullshit <laughs> but here it is i'll give you i'll give you one that's a bit bit more pleasing to the brain uh, in the eye, uh, and it's another stable configuration that was known called the arcane inner flow. Okay, I mean that just looks like a map, right? And so it it was a it was a, a known uh, configuration of flows uh, w- within the phlogiston. Uh, it actually covered uh, not not uh, not drawn there, uh, covered nearly a dozen crystal spheres. Uh, but very specifically, that is covered there is Refuge, okay, which is a very close neighbor of Realm Space, and it was famously home of a spaceport owned by the Arcane, uh, also known as the Mercanes. They were a spacefaring and extraplanar race of merchants that specialized in selling spell jamming equipment. That's cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. And. Uh, yeah, along along there there was Pertal Space, which I didn't find any information on, uh, and also a sphere called Darnanin, uh, and the only thing I know about that is that it was completely Elven controlled. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a neat. Uh, like I like the yeah I like the idea that Elves are from space. Um, mm-hmm. I know that that's a Paizo thing, right. but I I'm I'm into yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure. I, I, it's, I, there's a common theme I, I found so far with this. It's like it's not. It's not that the one race is from a space and one's not. It's actually like they're, they're, they kind of exist, you know, in multiple places. Yeah, um, right. That makes sense. So, uh, there's actually uh, I think I think one of those is covered in again in a, the actual episode. Uh, we'll come across uh, something related to that. Okay, cool. Now, uh, from there, there actually was one other. Uh, claimed configuration called the arcane outer flow i don't have a map for that one but it was a supposedly connecting uh over a hundred spheres 
but only the arcane or these mercane race knew the safe routes between the inner and outer flows uh, and would not divulge the information, at least probably not uh, unless a certain price was met. Right. Hmm. Weird. Um, this whole thing is starting to hurt my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly, isn't it? So you've got it is a lot. Crystal spheres that contain solar systems. That's easy. And that's easy, you know. And then like you know, some of the more famous either planets or uh, that contain the more famous continents or, or you know sort of landmarks, if you will, uh, with exist within them. Uh, and then sort of if we aren't familiar with some landmarks, we're at least familiar with actual like identities. Uh, actual people, magic users, uh, mages, wizards that existed in within other spheres on other planets, and uh, in order to travel between them, uh, you had to usually follow a phlogiston flow uh, using a spell jammer, a magical ship. Yeah, and that's sort of the crux of it. Like I, I've gone into some weird extra detail here. Yeah, but it's I, I get the broad strokes, but like yeah. like flows that and extra roots to me, and, and that yeah, like that, it, that's the stuff to me that's hurting. Yeah, it, but you don't have to. You really don't have to know it. It's it's more to emphasize just how big and broad this concept is. Like it is extraordinary. It, it's uh, to actually. Uh, go spell jamming, you know, sort of the space equivalent of spelunking. It's a fucking dangerous thing to do, and very unpredictable. And you have to, you have to be well equipped for it. And there's there's uh, you know uh, very little known ab- around it. Um, so like even the flagitia itself, it's not really well understood. It in no way apparently resembles the four elements at all. Uh, even though it's like extremely flammable, flammable and tangible. Okay. Um, it cannot ex- it cannot exist inside a sphere in any way. Uh, if it's somehow brought inside, it dissipates immediately, and no one knows why. I like that. And yeah, and spell jammers uh, have like sort of. Uh, so we said it earlier. It's what they call an atmospheric envelope uh, that allows uh, to for for safe travel essentially within wild space and beyond these spheres and the phlogiston will permeate it like i said uh, but this is probably why they know that the moment you enter a, s- a crystal sphere it just dissipates because th- they would actually have it on the ship to a degree it would it would permeate that envelope and but the moment they enter pff, gone it just disappears now that being said when they're outside of a crystal sphere it is highly highly flammable and any non uh, making any sort of uh, uh, flame at all was super dangerous. So non-flame light options were essential for travel. Uh, so in even non-magical options, that sometimes were, were were needed, such as straight up using fireflies. Oh wow! Yeah, that's um, that is some old school shit because <laughs> fireflies do not produce right. light at all. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some you know crazy big or brighter fireflies right. built into the world somewhere but um just the world's uh, most intense aluminium yeah. foil <laughs> amazing everyone just like walks around with a tinfoil hat and like a bunch of fireflies attached to like a carrot on the stick sort of thing in front yeah just just cone, <laughs> make a cone out of aluminium and <laughs> throw the fireflies in that and yeah, we're we're getting a bit we're getting a bit sci-fi, so uh, why not? Let's do the tinfoil hat, yeah. and call it, add some light. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the um, the uh, <laughs> uh, 
a phlogiston. So this was actually pretty important though, because like you know, you kind of understand that when you're in space, like uh, uh, you know, when you're on a planet, the the light the, uh, from the uh, a sun or the star will will illuminate and stuff like that. But when you're getting really like far into it, and uh, there's nothing saying that that those sorts of things actually. Uh, extended beyond the crystal spheres so light was pretty important especially when you're traveling through the phlogiston because you're actually surrounded in it and the phlogiston like causes like a very obscuring surrounding so it's it's got a strong ex- obscuring property okay and um it's, it's so much so that once you arrived at an actual crystal sphere you didn't know you were there until you were so close that the sphere appears a flat wall and you could see no curvature so, I mean, it's still massive, so you're not, like, a, ma- a crazy danger of, like, smashing into it, but, you know, you were you blind up until that point, for sure. Why would anyone do this? This is like <laughs> whitewater rafting trade, with a blindfold baby. on. Trade, for sure. 100% trade. It's all about making money. <laughs> or, the, or the sense of adventure, I guarantee I guess, it. That's gotta yeah. be it. This <laughs> um, is like, nothing about this sounds good, especially when you can just travel directly from sphere to sphere. Right. Like, well, that, well I mean, that's what you use the phlogiston for, though, right? To go from sphere to sphere. I mean, oh. that, that portal, that portal is like an exception, right? It's a wild exception. Oh, okay. Like, I thought that was the right. most the, common way. No, like all all this danger is applied to the the best way to travel. Right. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. The only using way using the flows of the phlogiston. Yeah. <laughs> and to make it even worse, when you were outside of the spheres, uh, uh, and specifically in the phlogiston, um, sort of. Uh, other planar and teleport magic was inaccessible. So I- including Morgan Cain and spells like Ma- Magnificent Mansion or a spell like Part of a Hole just straight up didn't work. And you'd have to return to Wild Space or within one of the Crystal Spheres to be able to access that. And even then, we move into like sort of rules surrounding uh, being within the boundaries of the Crystal Spheres. Uh, you know, Deity's influence was was limited and marked by the um the actual edge and border or barrier of the crystal spheres well that makes sense and like for sure it does yeah but the moment you leave it you're like without but there was like a little bit of exception so like uh, a deity's like divine magic for example will be severely dampened if if completely non-existent beyond the sphere wall uh but if a deity had considerable amount of worship in a different sphere uh their power could still exist there it was the in-between and the phlogiston that certainly dampened it or, or totally stopped it. Right. I kind of want to play a cleric in, in wild space now. Just right? totally <laughs> useless. Uh, no, you'd have to multi-class, man. <laughs> you just get a multi-class in there. Nah. <laughs> it's, it's it's gnarly, yeah. Yeah. Um. That's that's brutal. <laughs> like that's such a heavy hand throwing a cap on your classes. Like, for sure. Interesting. For sure. And I mean, uh, it opens avenues for. Uh, for like making exceptions, maybe there's like traveling items that you can have that 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 uh, permeate the influence of your deity. Like that would be pretty cool. Yeah, or maybe the deity the has ship. like a like a like a counterpart. Mm-hmm. You know, like Poseidon and Neptune. Right. Yeah. In um, in in this sphere, it's a little. It's called different, and it's a little more mean. <laughs> it's a little more mean. I'm so glad you said Poseidon because we're gonna we're gonna talk about him <laughs> in the Elithid episode. What <laughs> is happening right now? Are you just <laughs> fucking with me? Just, no, I'm not. Like, literally I'm not everything I brought up so far, you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. There's a little that. there's a little bit of reference in there. Oh yeah, my God. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> so the. <laughs> 
Oh, this is great. I told you this would be good. I told you this would be great. Um, <laughs> so, um, now this, of course, uh, the, 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 a small note that I had on this idea of, like, sort of the, this, uh, the dampening or the cutting off of a deity's power, uh, but it also permeating in another sphere, um, seems to imply that a deity's influence at all, which I think is relatively true and i know it's like i think uh the sort of uh neil gaiman's american gods covers this idea that their actual power and influence is very much limited and empowered by a collective belief and worship in that god okay i like the idea that they're an actual physical presence and right their their presence doesn't extend outside the crystal sphere but totally i, yeah. I get that i can see that i mean yeah. no disrespect now, bear to in neil mind gaiman. these crystal yeah, what's that? Sorry, <laughs> no disrespect to Neil. I know he's a listener. No, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but bear in mind as well, like uh, all of these crystal spheres exist on what we started with the prime material plane. That's not that's not to say that the astral and ethereal planes and sort of thing do not like, do not permeate beyond these crystal spheres necessarily. It's the material plane specifically right. that is shared among them. I uh, okay. And caught off collectively. When you put it like that, I hate this now. <laughs> Uh, no, that being said, I I, I, pro- I promise you, I did not dive too far into that, so I don't have the answers that'll make you happier. I mean, um, we're also 45 minutes into this. <laughs> of course we are. Yeah, of course yeah. we are. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, we don't have the time for that. <laughs> we really don't. Perhaps another episode. Uh, my guess is that it, it, there's a there's got to be a, a sort of consistency with like lesser and greater deities, um, what planes they exist on. And there, um, I, w- I would imagine there is... Uh, a history of, of consistency there that that ex- sort of ex- loosely explains it at the very least. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, so, moving on, we have um, uh, talk of like the, the origin of the spheres themselves is unknown, uh, but a couple of theories exist. Some say that the they were created by deities to protect worlds under their domain from the phlogiston, which sort of suits more or less what you you prefer you said you prefer you know they're, they're an entity uh but there are others that say that the even older than the gods uh the spheres themselves are even older than the gods and were designed to contain and localize the gods themselves by some other crater uh greater being yeah i like that one i like the second one <laughs> yeah um uh yeah cause it makes like it seem like more of a science experiment like okay right. you get torm but you can have more than canaan Having grown up Mormon, this has got a weird connection to that sort of loose belief. They kind of don't teach you. Okay. They sort of, sort of touch on where, like, they, they kind of tell you that if you're really good, you get to the highest level of heaven. There's literally levels of heaven. Oh, And then okay. if you're, like, if you're actually the best, then, like, you can actually rule your own world. Right. Uh, <laughs> See, to me, this is like it's the Secret a- Worlds Wars in Marvel, like... Just right, two <laughs> it's not, against it's not an other. intro selling point for the Mormons, but they do get to it eventually. That doesn't sound <laughs> like, like a selling point at again. all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but if you brainwash someone well enough, you'll get there, right? So, I, like, oh, I, I can have my own world, amazing. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the uh, realm space being sort of the more most familiar one, I would say, especially uh, the continent of Faerun, uh, the planet of Toril. Uh, it is sort of believed by the scholars of, of what little we know about the various spheres, or they know of the various spheres, 
uh, is believed to be the oldest one, and this is due to a speculation that the spheres warm up over time, and realm space is measurably warmer than the other notable spheres. Okay. I mean... Okay. I'm... <laughs> How do you measure the temperature of wild space? I don't know. Like, I... <laughs> I do... Not no. This is exactly oh, what I was that. talking about earlier. Like it's it's people explaining their truth with you know, without having well, any real reason. My guess to. is, <laughs> yeah. My guess is that it, it fall. It's it's meant to fall in line with like the sort of physics idea that the that the universe is getting warmer, and they just like threw it in as a complimentary. You know, we're considering that. You know, the universe or the galaxy or whatever is is expanding and is getting warmer. Yeah. But I mean that's because yeah. of the movement and stuff. Like movement right. requires heat. And these spheres do move around and like I said, it's a I feel like it's a, co- a complimentary sort of uh, attempt. Yeah. To just acknowledging I, that. I, I get that and I'm I'm fine with that. My my concern is why is realm space the oldest space? Like that's the point that I don't understand and agree with. Like you it doesn't matter. Right. Like that's like, we'll like actually, being a YouTube commenter who just writes the word first. Like who cares? <laughs> You are a loser. To be honest, like, due to some of the speculation surrounding mind flares and their origin in cluster space, it it almost like seems to emphasize uh, that maybe cluster space is older. So well, it, it is like it's a it's a fact that I read and I wrote down, but I'm with you. I'm like, yeah. why? And like, what? Why? Like, <laughs> even in our point? world, gray space would technically be older because Greyhawk is right. Gygax's creation. Like, why does right. the prime Earth? What is Toro? <laughs> like, why does that have to be the oldest? Like, that's right. Right, it's it's so like it's cares? right up there with like well, ba- you know the, the Catholic Church believing that uh, the sun you know rode, orbited the Earth because we think we're so fucking important, like you know it's right up there. It's just like it's so yeah, redundant. I mean, it's like just get over that, it. That is ignorance. <laughs> like I get it. I, that one yeah. I understand more than I understand this. This is somebody fucking like <laughs> white mansplaining why they're the best. Like oh we're the yeah. oldest, so we're the best, and it's like no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, no to all of that sentence, but, like, yeah. who cares? Like, why does it matter? Yeah. All right. Okay, so we're done We're done with realm space. I don't yeah. – I'm, I'm over it. And what, what, what we uh, – I'm over it, too. Fuck realm space. <laughs> Fucking boring. <laughs> get, get a life realm space. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll tell you what I won't get a life about ever because it's my love beer are we doing an ad break in a patreon episode uh sort of um i decided to improv this one okay uh because um this episode is not brought to you by strange fellows in fact it is brought to you by you the patreon uh, <laughs> subscribers they know that uh, they're the and, only ones that's and gonna that get is it. why that is why i have not cracked a strange fellows beer oh my gosh i've cracked a, a Fieldhouse Brewing Salted Black Porter, which I, I, I can't remember how you feel about it, but oh, fuck, I love this it's beer. Fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I'm not going oh, you know, so to go out of my way for it. I just, oh, oh, well, they're God. doing it in, in six-pack cans now, and I'm so pumped. Okay. That's good. It's, just, it's great. Yeah. I like how you so. went out of your way to reformat this so it didn't fit our regular format. <laughs> you threw a fucking beer commercial in there anyway. <laughs> Well, I thought I'd throw you for a loop uh, at least. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'm like, we're not doing an ad in a Patreon episode. I'll edit this one just so I can cut that shit out. 
No, this is not an ad. This is just me enjoying a beer. That's it. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. For <laughs> yeah, thank you for you. You guys specifically, you're. I don't know how you put up with this shit, much less pay for it. Literally, yeah. <laughs> we must be getting more entertaining as we go. Oh god. At least I'm finding I'm finding us more entertaining as we go. That's fair. Uh, but speaking of beers, and the darker ones that have a thicker nature, let's talk about. <laughs> Uh, traveling through the phlogiston on spelljammers. Spelljammers. These are weird. <laughs> I, weirdly, these are a weird. These are a weirdly named spaceship. I don't actually know why they're called spelljammers. Uh, I guess because they jam the magical energies of the phlogiston, except for the fact that they are specifically flown through extraordinary amounts of magic. In fact, they have to have like. A powerful mage take the helm, the spell jamming helm. It's called. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture. Again, I'll throw this on uh, uh, Instagram. That uh, that uh, is a very vague description uh, depiction of a spell jamming helm. This is the um, worst picture I've ever seen in my it is life. <laughs> I can't this has got to be. This is gonna be straight from the first the first mention of it in second edition. This is it two is dudes the guy cropping has classical out. art and throwing. This guy's a sword out for no reason, literally no reason. I'm a hundred percent sure this is a Photoshop. Like for no reason. This has got to be a Photoshop. Uh, the other guy is sh- like literally the lead guitarist from Queen with the hair. It's outrageous. He is. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, and they're all white men, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> of course they are. Well, one might be a dwarf, but um, the one the one leaning down. I don't think so. But they are basically a throne you have to sit on to sort of ma- sort of magically control uh, the ship. They're also known as the captain's chair, if you will. Uh, again, I will. Powerful mage has to be used to operate the vessel and create that atmospheric envelope. Right. Mm-hmm. So a mage. Sits there. Is that a specific spell that we know of that creates that atmospheric envelope, or is that nothing just nothing like, specific? No, it's not mechanical or anything. It's just no, okay. nothing, nothing mentioned specifically uh, in regards to like you know the magic to run the ship, let alone you know access the or co- or find the portals uh, of the crystal spheres. Right. It just says powerful magic can do it, or certain types of spells can do it. It's all very vague. Yeah, I mean, again, I like this. Um, I, I like. I like that idea of it. There's, um, they they touch on it in a Timothy Zahn Star Wars novel where the Chiss have something like this. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Is it? It's not the one that I recommended to you. The outbound flight. No, is it? no, no, no. This is way, okay. way later. It's um. Uh, I, I, it's the third one in the latest Thrawn trilogy. Um, oh yeah, I have not delved into those. Timothy Zahn's great. Though. Yeah, he's really good. Really, really yeah, good. He's really good. Michael Kramer reads the audiobook, so I'm fucking on board. Yeah, sick. Um, <laughs> but it reminds me of that, like a psychic seeing blindly into the future. So, like, the only way you can pilot um, through, you know, this space is to have is to be force sensitive. So, like, when Vader does it, he just turns his brain off and just uses the force. Right. Yeah. Um, so I like that idea. I like the idea of Vader sitting down in this magical helm and and commanding this magical ship through magic. I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
being the operative word <laughs> but yeah yeah so i like that idea i like yeah. the idea of a blind captain just you know going by instinct um i've always liked that idea you know it's it's one of the reasons we all like most of us like the uh the last star Wars or the the first star wars movie a new hope you know he turns <laughs> off his targeting computer so he can't see it he just does it right. by feel he's like, the force yeah because it, it gives anybody the illusion that anybody mm-hmm. can do this right it's funny you discern that from from that image because uh, you know, it, it appears to be in a room where there is, you know, it is like closed off. Uh, There's not much to, to evident, uh, be evidence of that, but but you, you sort of get that vibe. And like, I actually gonna, I'm actually gonna show you some some Spelljammer ship images. Okay. Also, um, I'm a hundred percent sure this image is a Photoshop. Uh, it might, uh, yeah, eh? it's it's weird. Like, it is a weird. Nothing image. about it fits. The shading doesn't fit. The light source doesn't fit. Like. It's a strange artwork. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be on the Instagram. People people can can uh, email us or whatever. yeah. And if you're let the artist, let us know. Let us know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> if you're still alive and Instagramming, <laughs> or whatever the kids are calling it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I, it's uh, you know whatever images I'm going to show you coming up, uh, they they um they don't really they're not super detailed, but they don't really seem to indicate uh, much uh, where this this actual helm or or captain's chair is supposed to be, um, but uh, as far as spell jammers go, they vary in design to a great degree. Um, but they do share uh, some common elements, mainly the fact they all have sails of some kind to catch right. uh, the phlogiston and travel, as well as you know being helmed in this captain's chair by a powerful mage. Um, spell jamming technology has existed for a very long time, but no one knows really how long. Uh, and in Faerun, there are evidence. Uh, there is evidence of some spell jammers. Uh, in fact, uh, the elves of Evermeet specifically have a small fleet of them. Oh, that's cool! Uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. And then there are actual derivatives of these vessels that fly openly over the nations of Nimbral and Halura uh, in the south of uh, of Faerun uh, or of that world of Toril. Um, I don't know much about those. Uh, civilizations societies and and, ge- and even the geography but uh, but there's that like they do sort of right. exist and are known about to some degree uh on toril now spell jammers as well as there's a whole i didn't look into them but there's a whole extra thing they're called astral ships they are separate uh, i don't know much about them but uh, basically spell jammers and astral ships frequently travel to the githyanki owned star dock it's called which is in the tiers of Salune, uh, which is a group of asteroids that orbit Toril behind the moon Salune. So there's this, this section, this group of asteroids that uh, is occupied in one particular. It's called Star Dock. Okay. And I'm sure we'll yeah. touch on that yeah. in our Gith episode. Yeah, when we do Gith, yeah, well, I'm sh- I have no doubt we'll touch on that for sure. That's probably going to uh, be a two-parter. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially considering the gifts are very specifically in two parts. Yeah, that, that's um, what I mean. Yeah. So um, there is a famous ship, uh, a squid ship specifically, is the style or design. Uh, but it was it was created and built by mind flayers. But this particular one is considerably larger and was run by a mind flayer captain named Catherine. Catherine. <laughs> Yep, love it. <laughs> Captain, I'm going to keep that in. Captain Ngothrod? Ngothrod? Um, I don't I'll, know. I'll post the name on Instagram because I'm going to show you a picture real quick. I don't even this see where this image. is in the notes. 
That's fine. That's fine. This is a picture of Captain Nagothrod uh, in the bridge of the Scavenger, standing next to a miniature giant space hamster. I think that's just a gerbil. Um. <laughs> nope. I'll tell you right now, miniature giant space hamsters are a thing in Dungeons and Dragons. I've been wasting in my fact, life. In fact, <laughs> um, I love this image. Uh, if by I remember correctly, I'm, I'm double checking it right now. Uh, there's not much on them, but in in the spoiler alert, uh, I think it's in Def- Descent into Avernus. You actually go to an inn uh, in the Nine Hells, where they are uh, delicacy when deep fried and seasoned with herbs and tears. I'm gonna look into that because I have Descent into Avernus <laughs> like uh, four feet from me. Um, and you know how I feel about right. rodents, right? Uh, <laughs> so I love this amongst image. other weird delicacies. This is it's a, actually a great piece of artwork. It's so this cool. This is my and favorite above, image I think we've ever seen. Oh, it's so cool! It's so cool. And and above them, you can see it's actually a chart of realm space on the ceiling. It's even got Bill Nye's eyes. <sighs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's so good. He's such a badass pirate, like squid-faced creature. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, um, so I was pretty excited to tell you that it's, I, I, you'll like this too. Uh, he or they actually, Mind Flayer, they uh, commanded the the ship with a team of four gray Sladi that specifically worked the ballastay. Yep, on the ship, it, as well as uh, a team of six sixteen orogs. Is ballastay plural? Is that what that is? It is plural. Okay. Yeah, ballastay, ballastai. Yeah, I thought it was ballista. Uh, I honestly don't. Know. I think that's. I, I, I think it's a ballista. Yeah, sing- uh, single, and right? Then and then ballista. Single, yeah, ballista, ballista. I think is is probably. I like that plural. Uh, plural. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you wouldn't need a a gray more than two gray slatty to work a, a ballista, ballista. Right. Uh, but again, this ship was considerably larger. Uh, so I I I think actually uh, there might be somewhere in the wiki that actually because uh, I did come across a couple that actually specified. How many weapons were on some of the ships? Okay. Um, so it might actually specify somewhere, but I, I didn't really uh, take note of it. I don't know why this guy needs an Urog, but all right. <laughs> He's got 16 of them. And I, I remember, oh. I didn't write it down, but I remember re- briefly coming across, like, I think they occupied the ship before he t- he stole it and took it over. <laughs> so I think he enslaved them. Okay. <laughs> Which is, a, you'll, you'll come to find, is a very mind flayer thing to do. Uh, oh, you so, don't say. Just, Space pirates yeah. enslaving people. <laughs> I yeah. love that so. this rendering of a hamster is incredible. It's so good. I yeah. can't take my eyes <laughs> off this image. It's a miniature giant space hamster. Like, it's like this. Like I said earlier, it's this. You get this nerdy shit. Like you get the most ludicrous stuff. But man, is it awesome! I mean, it, it, proportionally, it's it's just a gerbil. It really writes. So it's it's miniature and giant at the same time. Yeah. My only problem <laughs> with this this piece of art is that there's no furniture in this room at all well true but it's also very dark in the back so like the i would assume the, oh no uh, that's a doorway thrown itself is it yeah i think i think this doorway it goes all the way to the ground and there's no like the lighting in this oh, image yeah, is kinda, so good like, yeah that I, yeah. I i would believe that that's a doorway um <laughs> it's far good actually as far as hamsters go there's no that's a that's a big ass hamster that's huge 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a gerbil, right? Like a more like a gerbil or like a Deku or something. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's just a little that's, bit smaller than my guinea pig. Yeah, that is some proper proper artwork. Yeah, it's so good. It's like seven inches tall. <laughs> uh, there was another famous ship as well, and you'll you'll kind of like this. Um, the uh, it's called the Morkoff. I uh, don't know the history on it, but what I do know is it is also a squid ship, and it is sea-bound, as in, like, sea-bound. So it is, like, bound to the sea, as far as I know. And uh, it is used by the Kraken Society. Have you heard of them? Um, I think I have. But I like might a, just be getting this confused with an episode of uh, Crossing Swords that I recently watched. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. The... Um, they're basically a secret society of thieves, assassins, and mages. Uh, if I remember correctly, they, they exist in, uh, the, I can't remember the area, but it's like northeastern Faerun, I think. And uh, they use this ship to keep the storm giant king Hecaton captive. Oh. They've trapped him inside of it somehow. I didn't dive into it, but I thought that was pretty cool. That is really cool. So I uh, like yeah. uh, northeastern, so like Luxan or Liskan. I think so. Liskan. Let me let me just quickly look it up and yeah, send me that image though. So far, I haven't seen any images of any of these ships, and it's killing me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they live in the Savage Frontier. Um, I don't know where that is. Which which is here? I'll send I'll send you a photo, and I'll make sure to put this on the Instagram as well. So it's in this area. That is not helpful at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. All right, let me see. And then see this, this is actually some artwork of the Morkoth ship itself. Okay. Uh, okay. Give doesn't me, really give me one emphasize sec. anything in particular, but Yeah. Sorry, I just pulled up a map of Faerun and Five E, so I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna cross reference it. That that's cool. That's a good looking ship. Um mm. so if that's a sea of moving ice. Scan. Okay. So that's like like everything, like Silver Moon, some of the high forest, the Star Mountains, like down to the High Moor. Almost, it looks like it's down past Baldur's Gate to like Candlekeep. That's a really weird. Right. Um, it is a strange sort of like yeah. It also looks uh, like it includes Cormen Thor, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, like I said, secret secret society. Um, right. That's like most in the Savage Frontier. They're not necessarily like encompass it. That's not like necessarily their territory. That's just what the, that's what the Savage Frontier is. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, like that's that, yeah, and then the Kraken Society operates within it to a degree, right? Uh, and they're literally led by a Kraken. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Uh, so two famous squid ships on uh, Toril, specifically within the continent of Faerun. Um, uh, within realm space, I know we said fuck it, we're over it, but there's a little bit more. Um, there are a couple uh, cool races that sort of float around realm space in the wild space of realm space. Um, and one in particular, uh, I, th I feel like you you've mentioned before, uh, not necessarily in this in this show, uh, but to me, uh, they're called the Neogi. Um, either that, or I've heard them on a podcast. I I know I know who they are, um, or what yeah. they are, but uh, I, I send a couple images here. We got second edition, third edition, and then the final images, fourth and fifth edition. Yeah, and they're actually small. They're actually like not not very large, but they're spider-like creatures with like 
serpent-like heads. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're quite the menace in space, apparently. They're weird. They are weird. But what's really cool is they have uh, spider-like ships as well. And I really like these, actually. Uh, they this, is, this one is called the Death Spider. And like, that's a ship. That's a spaceship, and I think that's pretty nifty. Yeah, that is really cool. I like that because yeah, there are like flying spiders that like parachute on the wind, so it makes yeah. sense. And this one's called a mind spider. I think it's even cooler. Um, it's got like <laughs> a proper like tower on it. Yeah. It's a proper, you know, con- constructed thing. You know, it's it's pretty. Uh, I th- it's gnarly. It's so weird, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, I can't find like a full image of it, but it reminds me of Planet Mongo from Flash Gordon, which is like this floating asteroid with a citadel on it. <laughs> yeah, like it's it is kind of ludicrous. It, I I, I love, but I kind of love that. Yeah, or like it Voltron. Is, uh, if you guys are more familiar with Voltron, it kind of looks like right. that, like the um, the villain's lair, but on the back of like a mm. bone spider. Like it's cool looking for sure. Um, but it's funny, like, you know, some of these ships, like, you would very much, like, imagine, like, it's more like a schooner. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's literal Spelljammer schooners of some kind. They're, like, you know, more seafaring sort of smaller ships for smaller crews. Um, but there's no reason why, like, these massive, you know, even Star Destroyer, like, sized and, and, and influenced uh, versions of these ships wouldn't exist. And that's the, what I imagine that, that mine spider is. It's, it's literally got a fortress on top of it uh, or some sort of uh, fortified tower. Yeah, for sure, and it looks it looks great. Uh, just like a little, little going a little bit back. Uh, this is this is what a squid ship generally looked like. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's what <laughs> I've been really wanting cool. to see. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm I really can't wait for our Patreon subscribers to like listen to this, and actually I I can't wait to post them on Instagram so they can have a bit of reference to sort of I'm not cutting any of this part, uh, but uh, man, that's super cool. Yeah, that's, that's uh, fantastic. And totally, like, kind of off-topic even. I don't have uh, really a reference for this, but this is this is a dragon ship. It's a d- different design. <laughs> it's just, like, sh- it's just straight up, like, you know, Chinese pagoda on it <laughs> with, a, with a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and the sails. Uh, <laughs> I got a harder you know, time with that one than I do with the others. <laughs> it's just, like, a straight, you know, art complimentary kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I really hope uh, somebody Chinese drew that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, um, we we talked about previously, but uh, the last uh, you know the couple times that they they introduced some sort of uh, East Asian um, stuff, and it was a while ago, and it was oddly named. Yeah, because this is <laughs> like Chinese iconography and like a Japanese roofs mm-hmm. and See, right, uh, like I get it being all <laughs> over the place because it's an amalgam, but. Right. I, I really, also, really mm, like that the yeah. dragon is done in the style of a water dragon. I'm really into that. Yeah, yeah. The big yeah, fins totally. and the, the paws. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I'm super cool. I'm down with that. I really like it. It's just, yeah. it's hard not to see stuff like that and wonder in today's day and age. Like, is this racist? Yeah. <laughs> is it appropriation? Is it more, more, I don't think it's overtly racist. Right. But no, no, it's definitely not overtly where, where's racist. Where's the line? Where's like, the line in, like, you know, usage? Like, yeah. yeah, like, are these, um, is this, like, specifically for the shun people or, like, 
the Rameshi like, yeah. flying around on this shit. <laughs> yeah. Shun? Are they um, are they called Shun? Which actually actually reminds me of uh, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier that I thought there was a couple things I said we'll get to that in Elithids, but I've realized now that it's gonna come at the end of, at near the end of this episode. Okay. Uh, but that's actually gonna be slightly slightly mentioned. <laughs> what we're just talking about right now. Like where does it come from to what people does it apply to? Alright. Um <laughs> uh, we'll come to it in just a moment. Um but just before we do, I always want to mention one more uh, space-fearing race, if you will, uh, called the GIF. G-I-F-F. Are you familiar? I am familiar with the GIF. I love uh, these dudes. These guys are the so cool. The hippopotamus with a mu- musket and a sawed-off blunderbuss. I'm sending you all three official artworks. Yeah. <laughs> Second edition, third edition, and fifth edition. Uh, and they're like, they are humanoid hippopotami that look, and in my notes it says, regal as fuck. <laughs> yeah and so if you picture like britain invading <laughs> india in the late 1700s but he's got a <laughs> sawed off <laughs> musket and he's a hippo that's what this so is good. and these guys are like apparently they're like deathly afraid of magic or very like uh nervous about it yeah but they tolerate the magic surrounding a spell jammer because that's what they do is that they they like sh- they shift around realm space and stuff. Um, I only t- I only looked around a little bit on, on them, but like man, are they fucking awesome? I love the look of these yeah, guys. Yeah, every one of them looks like he serves in his Her Majesty's Navy. Seriously, <laughs> it's so good. And I wish there was more. And then uh, the more I research it, this is the more I wish it was like wizards get off your ass. I don't care how daunting a task it is. Create a whole new fucking system if you have to. Just fucking produce spell jammer already. Like it's it's gotta have so much cool flavor to it. Yeah. Like how can you not? How how can you have that? And they're literally in Morden Canaan's Tome of Phones. Yep. Like that that's that's where that fifth edition artwork comes from. And it's like, man, give us something. Other than like, there's a ship in Faerun somewhere. There's actually and one flies around at the set. I don't like, know how how deep you've dug into Morden Cannons, but there's kind of a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, but I want a full setting. <laughs> I'm being greedy. Oh no, no, I, I, I agree completely. <laughs> like this stuff, I'll never use because they just don't right. fit with the Forgotten Realms. Right. But it, it's it's in there. Like um, like <laughs> yeah. the Gith War is in there. Uh, you know, like all all that stuff. There, I think right, a, yeah, they touch yeah. on mind flares a bit in there as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, like they don't, they don't, they don't aban- fully abandon it. That's for sure. Yeah. But like, there's just I want so much more out of it. I want so much more. For sure, I, I get it. Eber- Eberron touches it a little bit for me. It just scrapes the surface. I love the sort of magical steampunk side of Eberron, but I want a proper science fantasy. Actually, message uh, you have Michael. one. We're playing Starfinder. I know, I know, I know. I literally messaged Michael today as I was seeing the final touches in this. Uh, for our listeners who don't know, Michael's one of our owner of players in the Starfinder campaign that I run, and um, he is all about the Starfinder campaign. Everyone's kind of like, "Yeah, it's fun. It's all right. You like, I don't mind it." But I, I, I'm really enjoying it. But he and I are like, love it. We're like, "Oh, Starfinder's fucking great," <laughs> you know. And I, I messaged him today, and I was just like. Dude, I'm doing so much research on star, star jammer, or sorry, spell jammer. <laughs> it's like this would be perfect for you and I. <laughs> it's like you would have no idea. Uh, it's that great balance. It's more fantasy than sci-fi, right? Where where uh, Starfinder is more more sci-fi than fantasy. Uh, I mean, I think so. But uh, man, is it cool? Yeah, I, lo- I love these ideas. Yeah, I don't think that's true at all. But okay. 
Um, <laughs> but um, uh, regardless, uh, that's that's actually more or less the end of this. The wilds of space. This is this is like all of these are very brief touches, um, although with lots of detail on all, all of these sort of parts of what exists outside of. Um, or surrounding actually the actual solar systems of the, uh, the worlds that we often play in. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really cool topic. And the fact that they've actually talked about it at some point, even if it was a long time ago, and it still still rings true to this day. I think it's really cool. I like most um, of it, for sure. There's a lot that I would yeah. homebrew in here. Um, but I, 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 oh, I, I sure. do like it. Yeah. What I don't like is how unclear it is how the world exists. Right. You know, like that we we have that planar wheel, and then we have this somewhere inside of it, which is what I don't like. Right. I don't like how there's how that part doesn't seem to be f- yeah. thought out at all. Now, I, I, to be honest, I'm so sure they actually do go into it. Like I could tell you right now, one of those spheres, I think it might be gray space. Um, the center of the solar system is not actually a star. It's actually a planet. It's actually earth or whatever and the sun revolves around the planet and if i remember correctly all of the other planets also revolve around it and those planets are actually the other planes of existence within that sphere so like one planet is like well the ethereal plane they're, one they're, is the actual plane they're not though like if if they're like <laughs> it can't be another plane of existence if it exists in the same plane <laughs> Right. So like, basically within each sphere, they have like different cosmologies. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm down and with that. Like I'm really, really down with that if that's true. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen any or heard any evidence that that's fact. Like, Right. Yeah. It, it's it's pretty out there, which is, again, you know, the fact that they haven't elaborated on, on, on uh, Spelljammer in so long. It's probably yeah. why there's this incredible lack of knowledge on it, especially now when when we come to fifth edition and like what you know what we operate mostly in for sure um, i also yeah. don't need this it's like this is not something right. I, i've ever, i've never sat down at my dnt table and been like you know what it's other planes have existed and aren't interesting enough how about space <laughs> how about space <laughs> i guess that i've never i've never had that conversation with myself and i never will because you you know better than anyone that i just have yeah I have no. I would like to play in this game, but I have no interest in creating this world. Yeah, right. No, for sure. <laughs> You'll ha- happily dive in, but for uh, a small period a, of time, as an observer. And, yeah, like <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll test the waters, creator. but like I don't, I don't <laughs> love this stuff. I like it. I think it's neat. Totally. But I don't, yeah. I don't need this. This isn't for yeah. me. Like it's the same. It's the same <laughs> with like the new Theros book. Like it's, it's fine. Right. Yeah. Like what. Why do we need that? I haven't even looked at it to be honest. I haven't even looked at it. It's so. yeah, again, it's fine. But again, like why? Yeah. Like it's cool. Like I really like Greek mythology. I have more of an appreciation mm-hmm. of it than I ever have before in my life because of this particular show. But right, yeah. like I don't need that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like well, just, it, like you said, it's not necessary. Not 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 for what we do. Yeah. Well, it just but it's cool to give hear. Give me a and, and goddamn Forgotten Realms book finally. <laughs> Like that'd be great. Yeah, like I'm a, like a solid one, not not an assumption that everything is just, this. Yeah, right? or just republish the one from fourth edition so we can buy it again. Like I don't right. need Ravnica. Again, it's cool. I don't need Theros. Again, it's cool. But yeah. just like give me give me the setting yeah. that you've decided is your baseline setting. Like you should probably publish that instead of just a part probably, of the continent. Yeah. Like 
Skag is great. I love Skag, <laughs> but like it's just it's part of it. If you're gonna do settings, you should probably do your default setting. I would think. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're just not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe I maybe I am, but you know, no. Like, I, well, it is. It is honestly. I think it's it's what it's what Paizo does does better. Uh, at the end of the day, is that they have one setting and they fucking stick to it. Galarian is my like, single I, favorite world out of any fantasy yeah, that's at, ever existed. At first, I wasn't uh, that keen on it, but now I've learned to really appreciate why they did that. And I'm like, yeah, that this makes it's so it's not slap happy. You know, Wizards is a bit slap happy with their fucking universe. Yeah, a little bit. And just like they're they're non-committal. It's like no, just you just gotta you gotta dig in. By all means, do the extra ones. Do them on the side, like incorporate them fine but actually commit to something and uh and yeah paizo has done a proper job of that my only uh gripe and it's the most petty material gripe in the world with absolutely no foundation is that i hate the word galarian i think it's one of the lamest sounding titles for a world i've ever heard and on top of that i think absalom the, the the city, the capital city of the world, is even dumber. <laughs> I don't know why, but I can't stand the sound of either of those words. I, I don't I have no explanation for it, but I can't stand it. You okay. <laughs> I mean you know that yep. Absalom is a real place in our world, right? I did not know that. Okay. They still think it sounds dumb. Uh, <laughs> so I <laughs> What's Absalom? Absalom, uh, well, no, sorry, I was wrong. It's not a place. It is the name of <laughs> the father of peace, the third son of David, king of Israel. Oh, okay. Um, sure. And, like, I, my, my gripe with it is a purely phonetic thing. I just don't like it. Oh. I just, I, I would never name something that. I would never go... That's a cool one. I'm gonna use that one. Never, never, ever. I just something about it. It just bothers me. Oh, that's fair. I, I mean, like I, I don't love those <laughs> names either. Like they don't. G- Galarian, I actually do kind of like. Oh yeah, I really don't like it. I think it's a weird name for a whole world. I mean, I I don't think Toril's Toril, any better. I like, I like Toril better. I think I think sure. I don't love Toril, but I like it way. I think better. I think it's much worse. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I like Faerun. I like the I like the feel of that. I like Faerun's cool. I like the Sword yeah. Coast. Um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, like it's, it's fine. Like my world's called nil. Like I, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not a better name. It's just a drastically different one. Is it bad that I actually don't remember what my, my world's name is? I mean, when's the last it's time so you played it? Done some work on yeah. it? It's been, it's been so long since I've been working on it. We've talked about it so many times in this podcast and I'm like, I actually don't remember the name of it. That's fair. I haven't written for D and D in like six months now because of this goddamn right. COVID. Uh, and I'm even longer. I've been focusing so much on the, the Starfinder campaign, yeah. and now like Pathfinder Second Edition, hopefully coming up. But, um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but regardless, we'll we'll end this 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 beautiful tangent of an episode uh, with some fun facts. Fun facts by Freeman. I love both those words. Uh, I love the alliteration involved in them as well. And so, did you write these uh, facts? Or are these your hot takes? No, no, these hot are your actual fun facts. I didn't make them up. Okay. <laughs> they're not. They're not fictional facts. They're not fictional fun facts by Freeman. They're they're actual fun facts by Freeman. Right. Uh, factual facts. Uh, factual. Thank you. <laughs> oh, damn it! I wish I'd thought of that on the fly. That'd be so good. Freeman's uh, <laughs> fun factual facts. <laughs> Freeman's factual fun facts. Brought to you by, by Freeman. Facts. <laughs> 
uh, but uh, Jesus Christ. Um, for those who don't know, a fax was a machine that you would email documents <laughs> to and it would print them out for you. So first fact, first fact, <laughs> I'm cutting you off. First Please. fact <laughs> is that Morden Kanan uh, eventually mastered interplanar travel to the degree that he regularly visited Waterdeep from his own crystal sphere, just from his own magical power. But before he could do this, he and Elminster met on numerous occasions in Ed Greenwood's house on Earth. And yes, again, that means our Earth to exchange spells and lore. Do you know who Ed Greenwood is? I know Bruce Greenwood, but no. I mean, like, (laughs) Ed Ed Greenwood is the actual creator of the Forgotten Realms. He's also Canadian, by the way, from Toronto. Uh, and basically they, they put him into canon. And so th- in the same way they put earth into canon. Nerd. Uh, so Morden, <laughs> and Elminster first met and met on numerous occasions in Ed Greenwood's house. Um, you know, it makes you, it makes you sort of wonder, oh, did, did maybe, you know, that, that's how like, you know, some of the spells from the other sphere transferred over to Toril. Uh, it was through their conversation because they exchanged the spells on lore. So Morgan Kanan, Oda Luke, Melf, like all those guys, uh, they they basically had those conversations in Ed Greenwood's basement or living room. <laughs> I hate that. That's, that's canon. That's I, fucking. Canon. I believe you. I hate it. <laughs> if we ever play a game in Forgotten it's, Realms, that is not canon. It's a fun fact. God damn it. Um, the uh, another fun fact: uh, a plague hit Faerun. Uh, and it devastated the population so much, and this was a long, long time ago, that uh, mages from what was known as the Imskar Empire opened a portal and kidnapped a whole bunch of humans, as I put in my notes, a buttload of humans, uh, to serve as slaves and to be used to replenish their numbers. Uh, this means that many of the humans of Toril are actually descended from our Earth, IRL. I hate uh, how much I like that. <laughs> And so, because we 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 I forget where it was. We 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 kind of touched on. It. I told you we would we sort of touched on that. Uh, I, I we talked about the the dragon ship. It's like you know, there um there is a, a literal lore canon based reason why some of these things would exist. Yeah. In, especially in Toril, uh, because actual humans from our physical universe, uh, were were forcibly uh, enslaved through a portal into Toril. Right, uh, and it doesn't end there, because uh, the Egyptian pantheon of gods from our world, uh, some of the the gods from the Egyptian pantheon, as well as some of the gods from the Babylonian and Sumerian pantheons, also traveled to Toril in this same moment, and uh, they formed the respectively from the Egyptian pantheon the Mohorandi, and for the other two the Untheric pantheons. Um, and so they, that's the reason those gods exist in Toril and Forgotten Realms. Right. And then also on top of that, this is way earlier, uh, the, there was a result of uh, a following for the Greek god Poseidon amongst humans in Tor- Toril that resulted from this, this transfer of humans, uh, as well as uh, a sacred belief in spirit animals, such as uh, the eagle and the raven in particular, but amongst many others. Uh, that is shared uh, between Native Americans from our Earth as well as the Green Elves of Toriel. Yeah, I mean, Native Americans <laughs> aren't the only culture on Earth who believe in sure. spirit animals. 
but that's that's what it specifies. Yeah, no, I, I believe you. That's where the inspiration came from. Yeah. I just also, bear in mind that a lot of this probably happened. All this was probably written in the eighties and nineties. Oh, there's uh, no doubt so, in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a really random one. Uh, foxes were not native to Toril, uh, but they were brought to Toril by a halfling adventurer named Altho Minstrelwish. So I'm going to stop you right there. That is the single most halfling sentence I've ever seen in my life. Like, nothing describes the halfling race better than an adventurer named Altho just thought foxes were sweet, so he brought them over. Like, they're so reckless. And I can tell you right now, I wrote, I wrote this in today when I was, was going through the wiki, and it was like, that's literally like a, just a re- reworked sentence. Like, Altho, Altho Minstrel Wish was like, had a red link so like he clicked it and it didn't go anywhere like i don't know who that is why they were on earth let alone being a halfling on earth and why they brought foxes over that's just what it is yeah that's just what they did i mean like that's (laughs) that's enough for me like i don't need anything more than that sentence (laughs) but like like every time somebody is gonna be like oh i'm gonna play a halfling uh, that's what i'm gonna tell them now it's like okay here's your character motivation once (laughs) some dude named altho brought foxes over because he thought they were sweet that that's it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and okay, these are my last two favorites. Right. One of them I love, and one of them I hate, and I, I hate it so much that I love. Um, Elminster, or sorry, Elminster. Uh, his favorite place to relax when not on Toro was Yellowstone National Park. Okay. Next. Full stop. That's yeah, it. Yeah, no, I. Right. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And the other one is really good. I love this. That's not Elminster's. fun or effect. <laughs> Elminster had a hideout on the planet Coliar, Coliar, uh, which is in the Toral system. Uh, and uh, he kept a portal in this hideout that was specifically tuned to the year 1894 on Earth. <laughs> and he used this portal to purchase German beer in order to sell it to his friend Gamelon Idgir. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, I fucking love that so much. <laughs> I know I can't see you, but for those at home, this is what it sounds like when Freeman's crying because he's laughing so hard. This is this is the sound of that happening. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my god, I'm wiping my face right now. Yeah. Oh, I know. Is, I can tell. It is. Um, it is perfect. <laughs> he just. <laughs> I mean, he's like. He's my fucking spirit animal, goddammit. <laughs> He's just he was like, oh, I just gonna I just gonna book this portal to 1894 so I can not buy a German beer. Not even drink it, but so I can sell yeah. it to my friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's, that's the part that blows my mind, is like He's like, I'm just gonna destabilize the natural universe so I can make a couple of gold pieces off old mage Idiogor. Who writes this shit? <laughs> Ed Greenwood, apparently. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Ed, maybe Ed Greenwood's my spirit animal. So that's so fucking funny. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I, it's I mean, goddamn canon, and that's what I love about it. <laughs> and in case anyone cares, his friend Gamelon Edegor Edegir. I don't know any how to say that one. Uh, uh, I Edegir. He also lives in the Tears of Salune, the asteroid belt, but on a different one, called the Rock of Brawl. I don't know anything about it, but there it is. That's a good name. I like that name. <laughs> it is a good name, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, makes you think of the Rock of Gibraltar, but uh, or the Rock of Dwayne, also known as Uluru, but uh, <laughs> oh my god! But okay, that, I'm spent on that. That that's the end of my. <laughs> My, my the wilds of space yeah i mean i don't know what you were supposed to get out of this dear listeners but we sure hope you got it <laughs> if it wasn't entertainment then we fucked up i mean we uh, were entertained i think that's the that's uh, the important that bit. Is, i think that that's the entertaining part right I think that's what come down to as long as we're entertained there they are uh that's yep <laughs> i'm going with that yeah sure i mean this this whole <laughs> whole endeavor is an experiment in and um <laughs> I want to say nepotism, but that's not right. Uh, narcissism. Cre- so creativity and narcissism. Yeah, uh, nepotism's definitely not. not definitely right. not part uh, of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, what about you, listeners? The seven of you who get this now, do you have any experience with Spelljammer? Um, if so, just shoot us a message on Patreon. You, you guys are the greatest. We. Um, yeah, this episode, like I said, this episode is brought to you by you. Yeah, we couldn't do this without you guys, and we uh, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our first, probably our first Patreon exclusive, uh, at least proper. I don't want to say proper, at least yeah, I think it's, uh, episode. Almost our first deliberate one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, good night and goodbye. Uh, so long and farewell. Thanks for listening.